I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Billboard Chart Beat Podcast. Gary Trust, Billboard's co-director of charts. And hey guys, it's Trevor Anderson, a chart manager here at Billboard. In our New York office, uh, a lot coming up on the podcast this week. Let's see if we can uh, break down all the different things we'll be talking about and uh, the people we'll be uh, speaking with as well. So uh, mostly, we're talking all things Taylor Swift this week uh, on the podcast. Uh, specifically, what should be the singles uh, from Reputation, the new album, going forward. So there's been a couple uh, so far, but uh, we've been listening since the album came out. Uh, we have our thoughts, so we're going to try to plan uh, the, the next year plus uh, of your listening life. We're going to be uh, record executives. Ooh, I didn't realize it was it was going to be like a like a like a career day exercise. You, you got the millions and millions of dollars uh, riding on your decision. Yeah, it's like a it's like a, one of those like bad sort of like Sims games, like record exec. You know, make it work. Uh, so uh, that's coming up. Uh, we'll get uh, some industry thoughts uh, from Eric Bradley, who's the assistant program director and music director of B96, uh, Top 40 uh, Powerhouse uh, radio station in Chicago. Uh, they've been playing multiple songs from the album, so we'll get his take on how the album sounds so far and what listeners are saying. Uh, and we'll look at how uh, Reputation is shaping up uh, for its chart debut on the Billboard 200. Just uh, We're taping this on Tuesday afternoon, so we just found out the album has passed uh, a million in sales through its first uh, four days, so we'll, so we'll talk about that. And uh, we'll also are uh, a little bit different. We'll uh, check in with Jim Asker, uh, our Billboard uh, senior chart manager based in Nashville. A couple uh, songs. They're very timely for, for uh, what's going on right now in pop culture, uh, Breaking a Country uh, by Keith Urban and Luke Bryan. So uh, Jim's going to talk about that. And if that's not enough, uh, Trevor, what are we flashing back to this week? Ooh, that, how is that not enough? Ooh, that's, that's, that's solid, Gary. In our third hour. Uh, yeah, goodness me. We'll be looking. Uh, we'll actually just be flashing back uh, a couple years. So just to 2015, which, you know, believe it or not, that we've only had one Taylor Swift album in that time. So we're not going back very far. We're going back to, a, to an era of 1989. It's not going to be about Taylor Swift, though. It'll be about somebody else, another pop diva. And um, this sort of trend may be a too strong a word, but this, this coincidence or situation that keeps showing up, especially in a streaming world, that a lot of artists are, uh, are taken advantage of. So I'll, I'll tease with that. But um, it's just a couple years out, so it definitely is still affecting uh, the music that you hear today. All right. That's all on the way. Uh, right now, let's recap this week's top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100. 10, 9, 8, 7, 
Chappelle fan, this one is going to be for you because this is the one, two, three, four, fifth week at number one for Rockstar, Post Malone, and 21 Savage. Gary is not a Dave Chappelle fan. I can tell by the look on his face. Dave Chappelle and Gary uh, did not go way back in 2005. If you didn't know the reference, though, shout out to you. Um, but in any case, Post Malone, yes, holding down the number one spot once again with 21 Savage. Um, holding off Havana, Camila Cabello at number two. For a second week, and both of these songs, you know, as they sort of, it seems like as their their labels and management try to figure out the number one situation and how that may play out. There's a couple factors going in in the past couple of days that have made this race a little more interesting in the next couple of weeks. Um, we'll start off with uh, Camila for for her efforts to get to number one uh, for the first time in her entire career. We saw her uh, this past week on Sunday at the MTV EMAs. Over in uh, over in Europe, so it'll be interesting to see how how that momentum translates onto the American charts. I mean, obviously, it's not like the VMAs where it's the biggest show and it has nationwide attention, but of course, right. the Camila fans will be out there in full force watching. And I mean, with some A list talent, you'd be surprised. I mean, Eminem was there, and in a social media world, a lot of those award show performances get around much easier than they did oh, beforehand. Absolutely. So right. um, we'll see that as well as. The second factor going for Camila is she put out a new remix of the song with Daddy Yankee, who actually uh, has his part in Spanish. So it makes a makes a I guess a new Spanglish version of Havana that came out on Sunday. Um, so that'll be that's 
midweek through the tracking week that we have here for for sales and streams. So it'll be interesting to see how much that can play into the race in next week. But definitely um, a new plan out there as well. And on top of that, something we've seen uh, for for a while now, maybe about 12, 18 months, both Rockstar Havana now on sale, $0.69 on iTunes. So trying to get those people who may not want to spend a whole dollar to spend at least $0.80 and help out. Um, seems like over the past couple of days, Camila's been winning that race. The song has been uh, very close, if not number one on iTunes for virtually the entire week. So it looks like the sales race is going to shift in her favor. Um, and we'll see if the other factors can as well. Yeah, and uh, she's already uh, passed uh, Post Malone uh, Havana's over Rockstar uh, at radio. So on the radio songs chart, uh, Havana went 17 to 9 this week. Rockstar went 14 to 10. So they both hit the top 10, but Havana's now higher. So it's overtaken uh, in airplay. We'll see how the sales battle goes. Camila, actually, just before we, we taped this podcast, she she was on Twitter uh, kind of prodding the fans to help her get to number one. So even mm-hmm. she herself, she's she's involved. It seems it seems interesting. And, and the Post Malone streams have been have been coming down a little bit uh, for the past couple of weeks. Um, I know one thing that this was some chart watchers some chart fans out there keep noting is there is no music video for the song yet. So there's still that avenue of streams coming. But. I mean, at this point, it's it's Tuesday, and the video's not out. And, of course, Post Malone will have until Thursday for this week. So if he's going to drop it, I hope it's a banger that sets the world on fire. Or if not, if he can hold off for another week, maybe drop the video then. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure both both camps and both labels are sitting over computers, pouring over models, trying to figure out what's the right time to strike. Yeah, and uh, the point difference between the two is actually half this week what it was the week before. So uh, uh, Rockstar was down uh, barely about 1% in overall points. Uh, Havana was up 10%. So it's closing the gap. Uh, you know, anything can happen week to week, but at least momentum-wise, the moment Havana is trending in the right way. So we'll see what happens. But we, we could have a, a really close uh, battle for number one next week, the, the way it's looking, and, and uh, it's possible. You know, the last time we talked about a battle for number one, uh, I think most people were mentioning when it was Taylor versus Cardi, uh, back in back a few, I guess a couple months ago at this point, and then remember how Post Malone kind of came out of nowhere, and people were saying, "Well, maybe, oh, could this do it? Could this do it?" Uh, it seems like you know on paper we kind of have one of those scenarios again where people say, "Wait a minute, there's this huge new song out. Could this could this throw the race you know entirely for a loop?" And of course, I'm talking about the Eminem and Beyonce song "Walk on Water" uh, that we heard debuted last Friday. Why are expectations so high? Is it the bar I set, my arms I stretch, but I can't reach? We had seen that the teaser a couple days, like the title Walk on Water was in quotes, but I mean, I don't think anyone quite knew when it was coming out, and I don't think anybody knew that Beyonce was going to be on it. So a superstar collaboration, is that going to be enough to throw Post Malone and Camila for a loop next week? From what we know so far, sales-wise, uh, at least, it could sell... 50 to 60,000, which could make it possibly number one in sales for the week, but it really comes down to what the streaming will be, uh, the airplay. Uh, it's just going to radio now, so the airplay won't be anywhere near what uh, Rockstar and, and Havana have, but it should have a, a 
big debut. We'll, we'll get more numbers uh, later in the week, but it really seems to be dividing people. Even mm-hmm. you and me, we're, we're on different sides of this. For sure. I want yeah. to th- let me throw out one last little factual note for people okay. who are trying to figure what that means. Um, if it sells about 60,000 copies, let's give it on the upper bound of that. Uh, this past week, Taylor Swift's Call It What You Want sold a l- close to 70,000 copies. Right. Uh, was the best-selling song of the week as well, but its Hot 100 debut was at number... 27 and that had about 10 million in streams right so even so if it sells that much and uh say it gets 10 million in streams yeah, you would need to do some some so. heavy so, lifting yeah, on the yeah. on the streaming and certainly on the airplay side right so it, it could be yeah it could be a stretch from what we know now for, to even consider it for, for number one never mind uh, top five or top ten but uh this is this is really uh kind of hate to poke a hole in those dreams so so early yeah but. Well, it, it's such a, a polarizing set. I feel like uh, I put it out there just among the chart department. We were all listening when it first came out, and I, 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 I jumped on it. I owned it. I said, I think this is a really – I thought it was good because it, it has a good hook. It's got Beyonce. It's so different, but I'm also the AC guy, so I'm I'm appreciating that Eminem is showing this totally different side. And maybe you and, and maybe other people uh, were wondering, what, has Eminem completely gone soft on us? What's going on here? I just, I don't. You're just shaking your head. I am. I just, even just hearing you rehash those thoughts. No, Gary. No, Gary. This is no. No, 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 no. Um, I mean, the minority with everyone else who might make it the number one selling song of the week. You know, I know a lot about minorities. I'm just saying. Um, No, but this song to me, it's, it's, it's an interesting song for a lot of people in particular because. I think it's one of those songs where you saw the names and you expect, and it, and unfortunately, better for us, that gives you an impression. You know, it's got to be this iconic collaboration. I mean, we're talking Eminem and Beyonce. If anyone grew up in the 2000s, I mean, even by Billboard standards, Eminem was the top artist of the 2000s. Beyonce was the top female artist. So this is one of those, you know, superstar A plus 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 collaborations. It's like one sweet day. Sure. And <laughs> the thing about it is, uh. For the guys, for people who have two people who have so much energy, Beyonce is, I mean, especially when she performs, has a huge amount of energy. Right. We know Eminem can just go kind of wild and, and, and just uh, just pour so much rage and passion into those songs. It felt That's where it felt flat for me. Um, and I know that Beyonce, I mean, there's not a whole lot of Beyonce in the song, and it's definitely more of her... Uh, like like gospel right. kind of R and B hook more than necessarily like a like a like a pop banger, right. and I guess just I, I was hoping for something a little more, O three Bonnie and Clyde a little more, you know M and B here to run the game, and it's it's not that you know and that doesn't mean it's necessarily bad. Yeah, if anything, it reminds me kind of of Kesha praying, which has become such a big hit despite tempo. So. Maybe, uh, oddly enough, it's been proven that a song with so little tempo, like this Beyonce Eminem song, can be a pop hit. Maybe it's just going to wind up being more of kind of an introductory track that uh, just uh, 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 ushers in the album. And then it's got to be, it really couldn't be anything with less tempo coming after this. But they are going to radio with it, so we'll see. Yeah, um, and to that point about Kesha, and I guess because Kesha did a song with Macklemore earlier this year, a lot of people really making that link between Eminem and Macklemore like never before. Obviously, they both get it because they're both white rappers, and they are by far probably the two biggest white rappers we've seen in ever. Um, but in terms of now, of just of messaging and delivery, because if, I mean, if you haven't heard the song, you know, it's a much more introspective, uh, self-analytical Eminem, which has always been there in his catalog, certainly 
I mean, he's used his own life and, and his struggles with fame and his ups and downs. That's, that's all been been sprinkled into the message. But now it's on full force display, kind of like never before. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's and it's and it's just an interesting choice. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I do appreciate like I do appreciate what the song means. I do appreciate that the two artists got together. I guess just it's hard for me to get over like what when I press play, I thought it was going to be one thing and I'm still it's like somehow every time I press play on that song, I think to myself like, well, maybe this will be the time where it's just, you know, I walk on what? Like I'm, I'm ready to be, you know, Instagram captioning it and screaming at the top of my lungs and blaring it from the car. Anytime I see something on the 86 Red Sox, I always assume Bill Buckner's gonna gonna catch the ball and they're gonna get out of it. It never changes. <laughs> Every, you know, you, just once, one time, you just kind of hope you could win. All right, so well, we'll see. It'll be some kind of a hit. It'll debut next week, so we'll look at that. We'll, we'll see where it goes uh, going forward. Uh, other thing uh, this week, uh, not on the Hot 100 yet, but over on the uh, Hot Country Songs chart, uh, two songs debut. Uh, give a little listen to each one. It's uh, Keith Urban, Female, and Luke Bryan, most people are good. Sister, shoulder, daughter, lover, healer, broken halo, mother, nature, fire, suit of armor, soul survivor, holy water, secret keeper, fortune teller, virgin Mary, scarlet letter, technicolor, river, wild, baby girl, woman, child, female. I believe most people are good and most mamas ought to qualify for sainthood. I believe most Friday nights look better under neon or stadium lights. I believe you love who you love, ain't nothing you should ever be ashamed of. I believe this world ain't half as bad as it looks. I believe most people are good. All right, so new music from Keith Urban and Luke Bryan. We just wanted to dig a little bit deeper into this because uh, you heard some of those lyrics. These are uh, directly related to what's going on right now in just overall uh, conversation in pop culture right now. So uh, both of those songs this week are new on Billboard's Hot Country Songs chart. I wanted to talk to Jim Asker uh, in Nashville, our senior chart manager who oversees all our country charts. Get his take about all this. So here is Jim Asker on the Billboard Chart podcast with us. See somebody hits like a girl. How does that hit you? Is that such a bad thing? Jim Asker in Nashville, our Nashville correspondent, our senior chart manager based in Nashville. Jim, thanks for coming on the podcast. So, uh, Keith Urban, Luke Bryan, new songs. Uh, Keith Urban's Female and Luke Bryan's Most People Are Good. Uh, they both debut on Billboard's Hot Country Songs chart this week. And they just kind of stood out to us that country is, is so often a song subject. Uh, it's almost been kind of uh, become stereotypical in this point, some of the, the bro country themes. But uh, these two songs are, are not so much that uh, they're even uh, so much about uh, what's actually going on in, in culture right now, but that they're so timely. It feels like, I think you're going to tell me, that female was even written really, really recently with, with all the allegations going around it. It feels like it literally was just created, this song. Yeah. Um, first of all, thanks for having me, Trevor and Gary. And, uh, you know, I was really pleased to hear these two songs. Um, Keith Urban got a tremendous response when he did it at the Country Music Association Awards. 
Um, the Luke Bryan is, like you said, Gary, it's just so different for him. Um, and, and, and female is different for Keith too. And he's even got Nicole singing background vocals on it. Um, I'm, I'm really happy to see, um, country music taking this slight turn. Um, it's not, you know, they're not political songs. They're upbeat, but they are definitely, I think, in response to what has been going on in our world. Keith, the Keith song wasn't written by him, but, he said he didn't even know it was written right after um, the Weinstein news came out um, by the three writers who wrote it in response to that. Um, so, but it, then he said it fits perfectly, and, and he was glad to hear that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, good for Nashville, right? Well, it feels like country has been... Uh, some of the lyrics sometimes tie to the news, but it feels like when that happens with country, it's, it's generally... More of a, a straight-up patriotic angle. You think something like Alan Jackson, uh, "Where Were You When the World uh, Stopped Turning," or some of the some of the Toby Keith songs. So this this isn't that. This is uh, Keith and, and Luke getting into the, all the uh, sexual allegations that they're going on. And, and Luke Bryan, yeah. I know I know his song is is. I guess it's probably more uh, just about some of the the, the overall tragedies, uh, all the shootings uh, that have been going on uh, most people are good just kind of overall but even that song i thought it was interesting for a country song even in 2017 the the lyric that stands out is is uh, when, when he's singing about uh, i believe uh, you should love who you love and you don't always hear that right. in, in country a little bit of an lgbtq angle to that song yeah you know um gary you know it wasn't all that it doesn't seem all that long ago to me but i guess it was a long time ago uh bush 41 uh, George H. Bush was at a CMA Awards. I remember when I was in radio one time and, you know, Reba McIntyre um, said, can I call you buddy? And it was almost like um, we were a wing of the Republican Party at the time. And and a lot of the the um, I think we're in the middle now. It's kind of purple, um, but it's great to see that it's becoming a melting pot and completely different how than how a lot of people still perceive us, um, not us, I mean, the country genre. At the CMA Awards, I, I think, um, you know, aside from SNL and shows like that, it was the first major show that had almost the entire um, ongoing theme uh, throughout the show of being positive, uplifting, you know, saluting the people, the victims uh, from the recent shootings, and, you know, we started out with the CMA saying anybody who asked questions about the Las Vegas shootings at the press conference would be escorted out. And then they changed really quick uh, and almost did a 180 in, in what the show came out to be. Um, so I think that it's all positive. And, and I was really happy to see the CMA Awards take on that tone and just be really uplifting. I don't know if you saw the Carrie Underwood uh, performance in the arena. It was just, you could hear a pin drop while she was singing. Uh, and it's a traditional hymn, by the way, it's on Reba McIntyre's back to God album, but it's a, it's an old traditional hymn. And, uh, and then they showed the photos of all the victims, um, from the massacre in Las Vegas, which is just a really nice tribute. And then, you know, the Osborne brothers video one, uh, for video of the year. Um, you know, that song is, uh, actually lampooning Trump um, in the video um, and takes a political bent 
So there was that as well. And I know that one of the Osbournes backstage said something about how, you know, a lot of artists are afraid to be political, but when you go back to country music's roots, you know, people like Haggard and Willie Nelson, always standing up for the working people. Um, and country music has really has those bottom-up roots if you go back uh, to where it all started. So, you know, it's kind of all a cycle, I guess, from God Bless the USA to, uh, to this. I mean, you said the, the reception uh, in the room, which I know can sometimes be a very different reception than maybe the public at large. What do you think, um, you know, a few days out after the moments kind of passed, how do how people respond to these songs um, on a larger scale? Just running into people that I know um, in coffee shops, on the street, etc., um, the response has been overwhelmingly positive about the show itself. And um, more than reacting to a political bet, um, either left or right, uh, people were just more just happy that it took on this positive note throughout the show and, and a salute to everything that uh, the victims and trying to be an uplifting message throughout the show, I think, um, is the best way to describe it, and a uniting message. So everybody I talk to has been really – and these are people out of the industry, not industry insiders either, just normal folks, country music fans who are really happy about the show. I have one last question, I guess, about in particular about the two songs we talked about. Um, do you think they're – is any pressure or, or what, what the inside conversations might be at the label to make this a hit? I mean, if, if this song, you know, for, if Keith Urban's song is not a hit, I'm sure a lot of people are going to point to that as, you know, well, it was, it was the subject matter. We shouldn't talk about these kind of things, you know. This is why you don't do political songs. I mean, do you think that that puts an extra pressure on him to, to deliver, or do you think mm. it kind of stands, stands on his own? You know what, Trevor? Um, that's a really good point. Um, I have not had any uh, conversations um, with people on the inside just yet. Uh, but that's a really good point. And um, we shall see. Um, it, you know, Female and the Luke Bryan song are both off to good starts, great starts. Um, and from the Keith song debuting on top of country digital song sales, first time he's ever debuted at number one, I think that's proof that the fans like it. So, you know, that... Um, whether you're looking at the radio platform or streaming or sales, I mean, it's all driven by consumption and, and people that are out there listening to it. So I'm hoping that it's embraced so much by the public that it kind of has to drive it up, even on the um, radio airplay chart, you know, with programmers at the helm. But we shall see. I mean, that's a really good point, Trevor. Yeah, and I think um, to, to the point you just made about about fans, I mean, this is one of those songs where, you know, a lot of country singles may not get the same sort of widespread coverage that this did. Obviously, it had the award show, but even some of the the, the uh, conversation—I don't want to say necessarily controversy, but conversation around the song and, and and its place in larger pop culture about what's going on. I mean, one of the nice things is it could, you know, invite a new sort of lane of people who may not have may not pay attention to Keith Urban necessarily or pay attention to country music, but you know, if they rally around the message of the song, this can open it to a lot more pop fans or you know just fans of not country traditionally so could be a thing to watch out yeah. for as well yeah good point i you know i'm hoping that you know the more people that are brought under the tent the better and the more opinions from people outside of the format who don't understand the genre who still think um 
it's all God bless the USA uh, and and the more to the right Toby Keith songs, et cetera. Put a boot in um, your ass. We'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll have their minds changed by this, you know. And I feel like the Luke Bryan, I know it's not an official radio single yet, uh, Light It Up is, is still the single, but it'd be kind of cool if this uh, became a big radio hit, something a little bit more serious for Luke. I f- feel like it really could be kind of just, just a good feel-good anthem for, for AC, for other formats. Uh, just feels like this could be the song that could do it for. Gary, you know Top 40 so well. Could a song like that cross over onto the pop charts? Yeah, the, the outlier this year uh, was Sam Hunt, and that was Buddy Like a Backroad, which was just kind of a fun, upbeat uh, song. So, you know, in the past, uh, I Hope You Dance, uh, Leanne Womack was a hit, but, you know, we're talking talking like 17, 18 years ago at this point. So that'd be a real test. I, I, I don't know that it would work at pop radio. I could totally see it uh, being a hit for, for adult radio, but I just think it'd be a great message to be hearing uh, on country radio, if nowhere else, uh, from Luke. Yeah, I hope so. I have not talked to uh, people at Capitol Records as labeled to um, find out if that's the next single. They don't usually usually like to give that away until the current one makes its way up the chart. Um, but hopefully this had a, a good enough of a splash um, to become the next single for him. You know, the album's coming out in a few weeks, um, and it should have a good debut. And hopefully this song will continue to be consumed out there, so maybe push it to be a single. Right. Anyway, it's a serious song, but it's an upbeat song at the same time, so it's kind of the right mix yeah. lyrically. Yeah. And it's and it's different. I mean, Light It Up is a traditional Luke Bryan, happy, you know, his, you know, right in his uh, mix of what he normally does. Um, so this would be a little bit different for him and maybe a good change-up after the current single is finished up the charts. All right. Thank you, Jim. All right, thank you, guys. Talk to you later. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And as we uh, make our way from Nashville back to New York, we're going to follow the path of somebody else who, who took that Nashville to New York leap. Who else but the one and only Taylor Allison Swift? Well, this is this is the one place anywhere on the internet that you're going to get a, a take on reputation. Nobody's talking about it, right? <laughs> yeah, do something different. It's uh, uh, odd how how it became you know such a such a here and there album. 
All right. So uh, everyone's given their take, but we wanted to not only do that, but uh, yeah, billboard-wise, chart-wise, we like to look at uh, what could be on the charts going forward. So we thought we'd look specifically what might the singles be from your reputation going forward. So we've listened. Uh, I've got my notes, uh, Trevor. Uh, I, I think you have yours. Um, overall, before we, we even do that, just overall, what's your take uh, on the album so far? Just overall thought. Um, I'll try and wrap this up kind of succinctly because um, it feels like one of those things you can, if you don't watch out, you can have an entire, you know, session on. Um, in particular, um, I, I like the album. I do. And I wanted, I guess I gave into the, the, the general pop culture notion that this was going to be like the death knell of Taylor Swift. And so I kind of went into it sort of expecting to hate it, you know, where, okay, where am I going to like, what, what, what is the moment I'm going to say, Ooh, this is it, you know, how are you going to bounce back from this? And I say that as a Taylor Swift fan, but I guess I just sort of gave into the, you know, I mean, the zeitgeist of the past couple of years and, and no, she hasn't been perfect and yada, yada. But in any case, in terms of the album itself, um, I think, I think I agree with a lot of people that it was sort of, I mean, I hate to say a bait and switch, but maybe it was. I mean, the singles don't really reflect the album as a whole, I think. Um, I mean, there were four songs out there, and certainly the first two that she put out, Look What You Made Me Do, Ready For It. Not not the vibe and the attitude of the album overall that I was expecting. It's much more in a call-it-what-you-want kind of sense. Yes. And I think if I had to tell people what from 1989 to expect going to this album i would personally say this album is like wildest dreams sort of taken into an entire album yeah wildest dreams with with just more trap and a little bit more tempo for sure but i but i think like the middle two-thirds of the album um i mean the end of it certainly a lot more dreamy a little more whimsical yeah. than i thought it was going to be certainly not not the not not the up-tempo sort of attitude that I think the first couple singles gave off. Yeah, no, I, I really agree with you on a lot of that. Same kind of thing. I thought, is it going to be a lot of, look what you made me do. Is it going to be uh, just some really different sounds that we've never heard from her? And and that really is the one outlier, I, I think, on the album. There, there are 15 songs. And if anything that's interesting, there is a lot of the songs i don't want to say blend together because that's that's it sounds uh, almost like uh, it sounds dismissive like i that's guess a, ba a bad thing but yeah. th there is a, a real sound that carries through the whole album it's it just sort of this mid-tempo uh, as you said dreamy kind of uh, ethereal uh, slightly edm influenced uh, pop so if you like that sound you're, you're probably going to like the whole thing it, it doesn't have as much uh, i guess variety as maybe maybe 1989 in and terms of its overall production yeah it's certainly not as much forward sort of out there energy it is a little low-key uh yeah I, I think personally for sure um and you know for people one of the big narratives too that always comes up is, is people people want the old taylor she made it very clear that the old taylor's dead but uh the singer songwriter taylor there's uh there, there's one song that really sounds like something she might have uh, done uh, 10 years ago uh new year's day uh, the closing song but you know I, I i think about that and then i think of not to compare taylor to someone like the beatles but you think of the Beatles in six years, how they went from She Loves You to, to I'm the Walrus and some of the things that they did. And I, I feel like Madonna, same kind of thing. You go from from uh, some of her earliest hits to, to stuff like Erotica. Some of the biggest artists of all time, they're, they're the creative minds. They seems like they get a little bored with one sound and they try a lot of different things. So I don't think you can ever really... Uh, get upset with an artist for following the changes that they hear in their head for where their music is going. I think if anything, you judge the songwriting. Are the hooks still there? Is the songwriting is good? The production's going to change uh, with artists. So, you know, if this is where she's going, 
people are going to respond. They're going to like it. And as, as we said, uh, a million sold uh, in the first four days. And some of it's just anticipation. You, you, you don't necessarily listen to the whole thing first. But, uh, you know, that's, that's what artists do. Uh, her last album was 1989, which we saw was a massive commercial success. Um, also a huge critical favorite. But it really broadened the fan base, I think, in a way that uh, none of her four other albums before that could do because they were all, you know, sort of country, country adjacent. This one kind of opened the doors. And this one, you know, is much more, I mean, yeah, like there's, there's, there's definitely more trap. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't, unsa- I guess when a lot of people noted last year or those rumors that she was going to work with Drake and we saw also the, um, the, the Apple music ads where Drake and Taylor were both in them at certain points. And, and I think he was, well, he was listening to like one of her songs, one of the ads. So there's a lot of, you know, Taylor Drake cross collaboration there. Right. And I think she was listening to Jumpman or whatever. And so this to me sounds like it could be a, 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 a Drake Taylor kind of album. Like I'm surprised in a way he didn't pop up on something, but it's got that sort of moody, you know, kind of just, this is what I'm feeling right now. Kind of thing. You know, the one thing I did that I, I think Still is a point when Better Man by a Little Big Town won for Song of the Year at the CMAs. How it, that side of Taylor, the countryside, but not even just the sound or the production, that it, it's still there. I, I, I think lyrically, you know, a lot of fans who, who grew up with Taylor really like that, that, that very intimate style she had where she could really paint a picture, a, a relationship, which I, I kind of hear it in a different way. I, I feel like she. Her writing is style is just a little bit different. It's it's still descriptive. There's still a lot of, of turns of phrases that are really interesting. But something like a song I always go back to with Taylor that I think has just pointed out her skill as a songwriter is the best day. Remember that song? From this is from Fearless, right? about uh, kids who made fun of her in school. She's driving with her mom and, and uh, we're going to window shop uh, and, and until I've forgotten all their names and she's wondering uh, who she's going to sit with at school now, who she'll be friends with, but but her mom is making her feel better for now. It's just there's a lot of uh, emotion that she describes in that. And I, I think that's always been her charm and it, it gets a little bit lost maybe under heavier production. Uh, it's kind of hard to have that same lyrical connection when the music is, is so much more produced. But, yeah, I think that's what always uh, drew people in. And it was very, this could happen to me. That's, it doesn't get any more, anyone can picture themselves at school like that. It's a little different when the lyrics are more, I've been uh, fighting with Kanye for three years and now I'm going to say what I think about it. It, it just it just isn't as relatable. It just, it just can't be. Can we also... <laughs> Uh, I mean, you made a lot of great points there, but I do want to pick up on that Kanye thing. Can we just pause and give a shout out to, I mean, anybody who would have had the foresight. That moment that you thought was going to be like a one-off, one-week kind of pop culture thing, it's amazing how that has colored both of their lives for almost a decade. I mean, I, I, I almost can't wait to read all the hot takes in, you know, 2019 when it's the 10-year anniversary because that moment has overshadowed, I mean, that, that not overshadowed their entire careers, but that moment has... I mean, it is a pivotal part of both of their developments as artists, and it just, 
Uh, who would have guessed, you know? Well, she says in the album, uh, one of the lyrics is, uh, I don't like drama. Drama likes me. I'm paraphrasing. Drama loves her. It doesn't doesn't like her. It loves her. All right. Well, let, let's just – I'd rather just focus on the music because, again, you could get lost uh, just going into I think the, we did get I lost. Did. Uh, but let's let's look ahead. So well, look what you made me do, first single. Uh, I, I think we said it, it's really not fully representative of what the whole album sounds like. Ready for it, it half and half. I feel like when you get to the chorus, it's just this, this, this big pure pop chorus blooms, and that's kind of more uh, the sound uh, of the album. So that's the second radio single. Who's going first? Who's picking the third single first? You got to go. I'm going. I keep going, but I feel like there are three songs that could be third, fourth, or fifth. And I'm putting Gorgeous. Third? And I, I kind of hate in some ways to pick a song that we knew before the album was out because it feels like maybe there's a bias that I, I just I know it more. But I just keep coming back to it sounds the most radio ready to me and it could be a hit in the winter. So, yeah, that's what I'm going with. Uh, that's what I'm going with third. Um, You know, Gary, I, I think I agree with that. I think I, I was I was trying to decide what I wanted to be a pick. I picked it. I think I mean, the wintertime thing, I definitely agree. But I also just personally or sort of strategically was thinking your first two songs are two sort of up-tempo sort of big bombastic songs and i think i mean you know it's that old trick of you give them sort of one thing and then you give them the complete opposite to show that the, the range of the album and i was thinking i think gorgeous is probably still sonically uh attractive enough to where you listen to it because i, I do agree that there's some songs you know, what will be probably, quote unquote, the filler cuts later in the album that seem to me a little too sleepy to put on radio. They're not, I mean, they're good songs, but it's one of those things where it's not going to necessarily attract me if I'm not listening, you know, or paying attention to it. So I think Gorgeous is strikes that balance well enough. And, and I would agree. I think that would be a good kind of wintertime song. And people already kind of know it, which always kind of helps. Uh, but yeah. Plus uh, uh, two lyrics to shout out. One, it gets uh, extra points for me because she mentions going home to your cats. Yeah, uh, I don't know if we maybe the radio edit can cut that part, but I'll at least she'll like laugh at herself for being such a an old grandma nerd about that for being a cat lady. Uh, the other uh, the other line I just thought is is we were talking about uh, lyrics that anyone can relate to. I, th- I thought this line actually really does uh, the line where she says, uh, "You should take it as a compliment that I'm talking to everyone else." Well, the lyric is, "You should take it as a compliment I'm talking to everybody, but you." Right. So it's just sort of an interesting uh, like we were saying about uh, the best day how. She 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 watches uh, the, the way people feel, the way people interact, and so that's kind of a, a, a very insightful line about how sometimes when you like someone, uh, they're the last person you want to talk to. You'll talk to anyone else because you don't want it to go bad. So I just thought that's that's kind of yeah, uh, nervy, flirty Taylor for sure. Yeah. So all right, so we're going with uh, gorgeous third. You go next. What's our fourth single? All right. Um, I if we're gonna play sort of the calendar game, um, if we are doing gorgeous for the winter i think the springtime song um i personally i want to be an end game i want to be your first string i want to be your a team 
I'd be quite surprised if Endgame were not were not a single at some point. I think just whether it's the star power. I mean, we don't we don't really even get that many Taylor, Taylor Swift collaborations. Period, and especially on her own albums. So I think I think that could be a that's a good like get you outside sort of. I think of like if, if I were back in college, like you know when springtime comes around, people starting to get back out and play sports again, and just kind of you know want something to, to jam to on the lawn. And I think in particular, I mean that chant of like you know big reputation you know something i don't know there's something yeah. something kind of kind of like collegiate about it and i feel like that would do well at that point that uh that point in time in the year well, we haven't compared notes but i i had that as fourth too and part of me oh, thinks, wow. <laughs> part of me thinks that should be the third single because it feels like maybe the most buzz is about that song because of future because of ed sheeran rapping maybe that needs to be next if it gets lost in the christmas shuffle like yeah. i still feel like that that's the right time for that I, I, it just keeps uh i just keep going back to gorgeous has a more obvious hook so that's what i'm thinking you, you go with that third uh fifth Let's see if we're if we're five for five here and and i thought of maybe this should be third well i guess we're two for two technically like by definition that's true yeah we got the first two right uh it, i feel like this could be third or fifth or maybe fourth and i think it's Probably the catchiest song all out on the album, Getaway Car. Getaway car. Um, I, I had okay. I, I had four songs written down, and one of them was gorgeous. One of them was Endgame, and there's two others. And one of them is Getaway Car. Yeah. I, I, every time I listen to it, though, I it it feels like because I know people were saying out there they thought it should have been the first single off the album. I was thinking that too as I've listened now, and it might have been a whole different story about this album. She came out with this great catchy pop song, and and not something as polarizing as Look What You Made Me Do. It might be totally different thinking i still feel like i don't know if i think getaway car should have been the first single though there's something about it that feels it's it's hard for me to say because i i don't i don't hear it as necessarily a, a, a genius pop radio like 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 instant hook i think it's a great song but part of me feels like i i just don't know if it to to i mean because you know you take a song obviously you're, you're taking it out of its like placement on the album and sort of throwing it out in the void on its own right and I know people like the song and appreciate it. Think it's a good song. Mm, I, I wonder if it's like a maybe a little too. And I hate to not give pop radio fans credit. If it's a little too almost narrativey for a pop radio song, like I, it, I, don't, it, I don't think it's. I don't think it's that. I, I think the, the only thing that that holds me back is, uh, and this is not anything against Jack Antonoff, but he he co-wrote uh, "Greenlight" by Lord. Correct. And. 
kind of a similar, this huge pop chorus. I thought that was going to be one of the biggest hits of 2017, and it it, it didn't connect at, at top 40. So I wonder if, as much as uh, uh, critic-wise, uh, that pure pop sound that he does, it seems to be loved but by so many people. It, it hasn't always worked. Uh, bleachers haven't crossed over to pop radio, so maybe I mean, if you want even, maybe these songs don't work for radio. I don't know. Well, if you want to look back even in the Taylor catalog, and, and you know, you can give the asterisk that it was the sixth single, and maybe people get tired of the sixth single, but Out of the Woods was, was right. the sixth song from 1989. Right. And that was the first one, I mean, to miss the top ten on the Hot 100. It really didn't even come close at all. Right. Um, so, I mean, again, I'll, I'll, I'll give it the asterisk of six single fatigue, but, yeah, but, but at the same say, time. This song has a much better hook than Out of the Woods. Out of the Woods is more of a groove. This, 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 the chorus is the payoff. For sure. Um, and, yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's interesting. I wonder how people respond to sort of sneaky Taylor. For me, it still seems a little too... I don't know. It seems a little too narrative for, for it, it's not the kind of song I feel like you can like just jump in at any point and like jump right in. It's a song that you like need to hear from start to finish. To I've me. just been hearing the hook in my head, so I, I gotta dig into the lyrics more. I mean, I'm just musically all uh, over that one, and uh, it it, it kind of reminds me in some ways of uh, of the style from 1989. Just the the, the one that kind of had I, I think in some ways the the most all out hooky pop chorus. So it kind of reminds me of that. Yeah, but still with a little bit of. A little spice in it, I guess you could say, for sure. I'm shaking my head and locking the gates. This is why we can't have nice. The other one I wanted to point out, I guess, was um, I'm trying to think of where I think this is why we can't have nice things should should exist because I think I mean if it's if it's the the older better sister of Look What You Made Me Do, uh, which I completely agree with a lot of those takes that that this is the better diss song to all the friends. But again, I wonder if it's a little too I had that as personal. Six. I had that as sixth, and it's the one I think I keep going back to the most today just because it's it's fun it's a little different it kind of breaks up uh the more low-key sound of the album it's kind yeah. of bad blood and some of the the cheerleadery kind of chant about it yeah for sure i mean that's a of... good point of bad blood work because my, my thing i was worried about is like well this is a little too you know i mean you can't separate the, you cannot separate this song from the narrative the way right i mean the, i feel like this is not a, a song that most people can sit there and say you know oh i know what it's like to do you know for this to happen to me but I mean, I guess you're right. If bad blood worked, and and no one's been better at revenge in the past decade than Taylor Swift, so yeah. maybe maybe there's something. One review uh, pointed out, uh, why does it have an Annie vibe to it? It kind of sounds uh, a little bit like uh, Hard Knock. Hard Knock Live. Yeah, a little bit in the production. Well, maybe Jay Z will will grab onto it and make it a hit too. Uh, so yeah, all right. So we've got uh, that's boring. We've got the same. I know. Uh, I kind of want more of a fight. Uh, call it what you want. I still feel like that could be a single. I, you know, she's gone. She's gone seven, seven. It's got a good hook. A dress could be the I don't want to live forever type single. Dress, yeah. But there's also like I saw it was one of those things where like there always are some of those Taylor cuts that just that are good cuts that just always end up on the album, and I always right. feel like I can't. You can't. They never put out all the all the good songs as singles and so i'm trying to think i'm like well there's got to be at least like two or three that i that that get held back for the album 
and I'm trying to, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's tough. Well, I think, yeah, all right, so it sounds like we're in agreement with, uh, obviously, the first two that are out there. But the next three, Gorgeous, Endgame, Getaway Car, in, in some order, uh, maybe. This is why we can't have nice things. Uh, I'll put it out there, yeah, call it what you want, dress, so it goes. Potential if we're going to go that deep. Well, and, Gary, we've got to pick every song on the album at this point. For the next, next two and a half years. Uh, New Year's Day, what if they ever did put that as a country single? It, it could work. Mm. Mm. Go to the, we're going to open a, a country promotion team on my imaginary label. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Gary's going to have to keep dreaming on that one. Though, of course, it will be it will be hot around New Year's Day. I'm sure that'll be those streams are going to spike. <laughs> All right, let's get radio's take. Let's go to Eric Bradley, uh, music director, APD of B96 in Chicago. I've been playing some of these songs. Let's get from someone who really knows what they're doing with all this stuff. Eric Bradley on the Billboard Sharpie podcast. Eric Bradley, uh, APD music director of B96. Uh, we've been talking Taylor. Let's get an official opinion of someone in the business. Uh, overall, Eric, what's what's your take on on Reputation so far? Well, I mean, my favorite track on the album is the entire album, and that still holds true today. I think that album is loaded, and I'm I'm really hard for me to nail down my favorite song or songs. I think it's exceptional from start to finish. It's, I think it's a pop masterpiece, and as per usual, she delivers the goods. Now, you know, there's a lot of talk uh, going into it that people, uh, you know, we're not maybe not feeling the singles out as much or, or that they, they, they didn't seem to be a, quite the reflection of the album that people were expecting. Did you, were, you find, were you surprised by that when you heard the first couple of songs and then what the album actually ended up being as a whole? Yeah, I mean, a little bit. I mean, let's be honest. Look What You Made Me Do is probably the most different uh, – sounding song she's ever made and i thought coming with something like that that was so left of her normal center was kind of wise and uh, it clearly didn't uh disappoint her fans and and the people that are intrigued by what she's doing and and that love her and that are going out and buying reputation in droves this week so um i didn't have any problem with that i thought ready for it was right in the pocket of where i thought she would be and uh, I thought the instant grat tracks were equally as, as great. I loved Gorgeous and Call It What You Want was awesome. And, you know, but, but I knew the best songs were going to be on the album. And that, that, is, that is true. So. How did Look What You Made Me Do do at radio? We, you know, we, point, we pointed out that it, it had a pretty big drop from number one on the pop songs chart, on the mm-hmm. radio songs chart. It feels like it's not going to be the longest lasting hit, unlike you know, something like Shake It Off for the first single, which really did turn into a long term hit. Does this one feel like it was more of kind of a quick, uh, quick statement song? She's back. She's addressing uh, some of these uh, pop culture rumor things. And now she's onto something else. Does this one feel a little bit different than some of her uh, more it, it uh, deeper hits? In- yeah, it feels exactly what you just said. I think it was effective for what it needed to do and what it needed to be, and I think it was everything that she needed it to be as far as like the lead single from her new record announcing that she's back and getting the attention and, and having the accompanying visual and doing everything that it needed to do uh, effectively to set the, re- set the reputation release. 
Um, you know, I just I didn't think it was a misstep whatsoever. I felt like it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't her biggest hit. It didn't have the longevity that Wildest Dreams or Shake It Off or Style or Blank Space or anything from the last record really had. But for what it needed to do, I felt that it did exactly that. That's what we keep saying, that she really couldn't have put out a different first single. That kind of had to be the first single for, for good or bad. It, it, it is kind of polarizing, but it doesn't feel like this could have worked as a third or fourth single. It, it just feels like this has to be the one to introduce reputation. For sure. For sure. Um, because we, Gary and I were, were talking about uh, what we, what we think could be the future pop radio singles, and especially for an album that I think is cohesive as an album to sort of pick out what you think could be the radio hits. Uh, where do you see, after Ready For It, the album heading? Obviously, everyone's going to gravitate towards Endgame um, because of the features. Um, and uh, I think that's a, a, a logical single at some point. Um, my, I think, honestly, like the one that I feel like could very well um, be after that is Delicate. I think Delicate is a, is a, is a 10. I love that song. Um, but then again, I also love, like, I did something bad. That's the one that when you hear that and you listen to the, the melody, it gets stuck in your head for hours. Like, I, I woke up the other mornings with that, like, I could not get that out of my head. And I think Don't Blame Me is a possibility. Um, uh, I, I think New Year's Day is awesome. Um, getaway Car is a possibility. I just think there's, like, many, many different routes they can go with what's coming up. And then I should also mention um, This Is Why We Can't Have Nice Things, which I think is a, a title that just uh, will really connect and people will, will feel that. And uh, I think the, the texture of that song feels kind of like Bad Blood 2018. So, hey, we, we were saying the same thing. No mention of Gorgeous, you know, necessarily. Uh... Yeah, we're, we're playing Gorgeous on B96, but I, I kind of treat that as, like, one of the instant rat tracks, and I just don't know if that'll ever be a, a, a single. But I tell you that as far as how songs sound on the radio, that song sounds like a, just it sounds like it fits so well on the radio. I really love hearing that on the station when I listen to it. So right, everyone's got an opinion on Taylor, uh, so we had to get yours. How, how is, Eric. How, what's everybody else saying? Everybody else talking pretty good, like saying good stuff or what? Yeah, I think people are kind of saying that uh, you know there's so much talk that she's angry, she's moody now, and and we're going to get a whole different Taylor. And uh, Trevor and I were both saying, and other people have said that you listen to the actual album; it's a Taylor Swift pop album filled with hooks. Totally agree. I mean, I'm, I'm interested too because I, I guess I just wonder that the sound is is relatively sort of muted compared to 1989, and I wonder how. I mean, they're obviously like in game. Obviously, it sort of stands out as one of the bigger tracks, but I'm I'm very curious to see how, you know, for. I mean, we've seen this like a lot of times, I guess, with with Rihanna, Beyonce, a lot of people who make who are making more cohesive albums and 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 start to finish albums, but pulling out those sort of radio ready singles has been a little bit harder, and I'm interested to see if she kind of falls into that same situation or or not you know she's the exception to a lot of rules so we'll see real quick eric what else is working on b96 right now for you well i think our our biggest songs are not too surprising uh it's uh it's ed's new single or current single perfect is is going all the way um obviously thunder did great dua lipa is coming home now which is awesome for those of us who have loved her since uh the first time we heard her uh post malone's very hot um, J Balvin Mijente is, is going all the way and we're playing the version uh, currently without Beyonce we played that version first and then we put the Beyonce version in and we went back to the original for whatever that's worth yeah. and last but not least I would mention Camila Cabello which I think is uh, probably going to be her first solo number one and hopefully the first of many more because she's uh, someone who deserves it just as much what do you think of this new uh, Eminem song are you talking about Beyonce everyone seems oh, split yeah. everyone seems split on this song a little disappointed for me 
Isn't that the word I use? Disappointment. Yeah, I'm one of the few people who's, I, who are good with this stuff. I mean, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. I was I was looking for more like a, as I say, the O3 Bonnie and Clyde kind of kind of vibe. And totally. I, I thought it was going to be more of like a, a a banger. This is a little softer than I thought. Hundred percent. Um, you know, hey, I respect and I I hope it goes all the way and, and goes the distance. I mean, hard to get two uh, two bigger names and two bigger stars for sure on a record together. That's a a great opportunity. I just I I, I hope that uh, it goes all the way for them. Yeah, like you mentioned, the uh, Dua Lipa, too. It feels like that's been been a slow build, but we've seen how passionate her fans are. It feels like the song really no really does have some legs. Well, in a really big international base that I think, you know, huge in the UK, people have been waiting for that that breakthrough. And, of course, you know, the American market is the hardest to break, but it seems like now it's finally coming home for her. It's breaking, yeah. I feel like it's uh, it's it's totally going, and I'm, I'm thrilled for her. She's another uh, just dear person who you want to see succeed and want to see have – like a, a lifelong, long, successful career. I, I think she's, uh, I think the world of her, and I hope that this is like the first of many like real legitimate smashes for her. And I think this really sets the table for what's coming after this. All right. Thank you so much, Eric. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thanks for thinking of me. I'm glad to be a part of it. the Taylor portion of this very long podcast. So, Trevor, let's uh, flash back before we go to what? All right, we're only going to flash back, uh, hold on to your seatbelt, 24 months. I thought we had time for a whole long ride. I could uh, get some stuff done, but no, just a quick, nope, quick we're, trip. We're here already, 2015. Do you still recognize it? All aboard. All right, so this week we're going to uh, focus on focus. Ariana Grande, ah. which was yes, I see exactly. It was only two years ago, and it's almost like where kind of one of the um, kind of a, I shouldn't I shouldn't say an infamous single because it's not it's not sort of that, but an interesting single that I want to that we use to kind of highlight a phenomenon we're seeing more and more often. Um, so flashback twenty four months ago, two studio albums out. Uh, My everything had been the most recent one. A lot of hits on that. We'd heard Problem from that. We'd heard Break Free. We'd heard Love Me Harder, which was, I think, sort of pop culture's big introduction of the weekend. Right. So this is like, you know, before the weekend really even blew up. Uh, and then so we're heading into album cycle number three. A lot of people, bloggers, fans, all ready for the, the album, which is supposed to be called Moonlight to come out. And we get the first single in late 2015 from what we think will be Moonlight. It's a song called Focus. <laughs> Just come and get it, let them say what they say. 
also shout out to if anyone does not know that is Jamie Fox uh, helping out with the with the chorus sort of focus on me that's uh, Academy Award winner Jamie Fox right there <laughs> all right and so the thing about this song in particular everyone said you know even all of the posts that day focus lead single from her song you know debuts at number seven on the Hot 100 uh, doesn't have the longest legs of, of of the songs in her career but something interesting kind of happens in between that October and next spring when we get the album Dangerous Woman and that is the album is not called Moonlight it is called Dangerous Woman, and there is no song called Focus on it, unless you have apparently the Japanese deluxe edition. So I what happened? I don't. You don't. We no, uh, no one in this room does. So what happened? What happened, Gary? Uh, it didn't. It didn't work at radio. I, I, I remember at the time there being a lot of talk that it was sort of a rewrite of Problem and just wasn't as good. For sure. So I think people. Uh, wanted something a little probably a little bit different and something that they hadn't heard before because especially the the singles from from the previous album they they all kind of did something different break free it was kind of a dance hit the weekend was kind of a sultry duet they they all kind of had different uh sounds about them and i think in some ways it was kind of a step back to to do something like uh, focus and it it just it, it it stopped so quickly at radio that i think uh, the promotion uh, team at republic knew pretty quickly that this probably isn't uh, the best song to introduce the album with. Let's regroup a little bit. Um, yeah, so the song, so Ariana kind of admitted that that the song was 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 a, a re-problem and they probably didn't know what to go with, correct, you know, as the, as the real sound. So they said, okay, this was this is what we had last time. So this sounds kind of right. Let's put that out there. Did you say, a, did you say a re-problem? Is that the term? Did I say re-problem? I think so. I don't think I said re-problem. I thought you said a re-problem. Oh, like, well. Like a Redo, yeah, like, like, remake like a problem. Maybe I did. It was a re-problem. A re-problem. Um, so, and then when they retooled the album, if you hear Dangerous Woman, it focused probably would not have fit very well onto that, in my opinion. Well, I think what's great about Dangerous Woman that really did become a, a big hit is it was something we hadn't heard from her before. Just for the sure. production uh, and, and obviously lyrically, uh, that did take her forward. So at that point, uh, focus sort of forgotten. We were onto something, something different. Yeah, and now it does. And that brings up uh, what I want to bring up in today's sort of main main part of this is what I like to call the the pump fake single, as we'll call it that, because you you think it's gonna be you think it's gonna be this here it comes and oh it's not, and this is something that we have seen more and more often, and I think in particularly a streaming world, or maybe you don't have to maybe you don't have to put quite the same resources behind it. You can get a little more instant feedback on how people are feeling it. Um, flashback as well in 2015. Ariana Grande was not actually the only person to to sort of do this. We found out, took a little while, but we found out Rihanna would also be a major player in this pump fake. 2015, we have three songs that Rihanna puts out. Four or five seconds. Right. Kanye West and Paul McCartney, along with Rihanna, collaboration, performing at the Grammys. It's, I mean, it is a solid, huge hit. Top five on the Hot 100. Uh, a little later that year, we get Bitch Better Have My Money. Uh, again, another top 20 hit on the Hot 100. Uh, maybe not a, a massive radio hit, but certainly a pop culture you know, phenomenon. The phrase becomes so popular. I remember Ellen does it on Lip Sync Battle with Jimmy Fallon. So another another solid you know, album-worthy cut in the catalog. American Oxygen, also that year, not on the same, the same level. I mean, there's really no way around that. Doesn't do nearly as well. Gets put in some, some, some uh, NCAA ads, so it kind of gets some of that product placement. And then here we come into January 2016. We get Rihanna's eighth album, which another pump fake. Everyone sort of assumed it would be called R8, I guess, with, with the car. The album's called Anti. None of those songs make the cut. Right. Not one, not two, not three. 
So I think that was one of those things that people said, wait a minute, like how how is this happening? Uh, you can fast forward even to this week. This week uh, on the Billboard 200, Maroon 5's album Red Pill Blues debuts at number two. Uh, in the past year, we heard two songs from Maroon 5. Uh, well, th- three songs. The third one does make the album cut, but Don't Want to Know with Kendrick Lamar. Top 10 hit on the Hot 100, a number one smash on radio in November 2016, does not appear on the album. Right. Cold by Future, top 20, 30 hit, not quite that same level, but again, does not show up anywhere. A little bit different, though, than a lot different than Focus in terms of these Maroon 5 songs. They were especially Don't Want to Know, absolute smashes, whereas Focus, it was very clear early on. Let's let's kind of uh, no. It, move didn't, on from it this. did not have legs, but I still think we're trying to get the definition of, of pump fake. So officially, we're trying to get a. I well, I, since you're very clearly trying to make this well, a, a term. See, I, mean, I guess, but I mean, you can you can tell that there was there was like a, a concentrated effort behind it. I mean, the, the video that dropped that same day, and yes, I believe if you want to believe that only one thing can exist in the pop world at a time, Ariana had the misfortune of timing her single to the same day that Adele came back with "Hello." Oh, right. So that definitely washed the entire conversation that way um but i think it's something that that we've seen a lot a couple more times kanye west i'll throw out one more um as well only one in all day in 2015 neither of those make the life of pablo so i you know it's one of those things i guess in a streaming world exactly do you you know and this kind of brings into the conversation of of album and what their sort of status and relevance is and nowadays it's just interesting to me that you know so many artists can throw out all these songs even have them be hits i mean you can say focus wasn't a hit uh, you know, it was a top 10 on the Hot 100, so there was some anticipation behind it. People were, you know, excited a little bit for it. But then just to say, you know what? No, that's not going to be it at all. I mean, just, just another one of those era, one of those hallmarks of the streaming era that kind of is changing the game. Uh, in the past, it would be on the album forever. It would be on there, and you'd kind of have to admit if it was a mistake. Yeah. Now you can just, just scrub it right off. I mean, the fact that, you know, when I brought up Focus, it was like, oh, yeah, that... There was a time that Focus existed. Right. Or, I mean, even some of these Rihanna songs, there was American Oxygen. Is That's that's right. I forgot about that. So um, just kind of one of those fun things that I was looking at when I was trying to figure out what to talk about this week. And when I saw Focus, too, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess we could talk about this and, and, and sort of what it did. Um, not to say that – I don't, want, I don't want to say that Ariana inaugurated this club. It wasn't – she wasn't the first person. Certainly there are plenty more um, anecdotes and, and examples from even the 80s and 90s of songs that – came out in one place and were never on people's albums until maybe a greatest hits or they never did them on tour, but just for something in a streaming world that makes it that much more accessible, but at the same time, sort of that much more able to be hidden. Yeah. It was sort of interesting too, how uh, you go through the singles from dangerous woman. That was the first single. Good, good statement song Uh, into you. I always thought was going to be the absolute biggest hit sounded like the most obvious hit actually didn't hit the top 10. It it was a big hit, but it, it got to number 13 in the hot 100. And then I was always surprised for a while. I think the more you heard it, sounded like a total smash. But side to side, the third single from Dangerous Woman, that got to number four. That wound up the biggest hit from the album. So you can never know what people are going to wind up connecting with. You can make all the plans ahead of time. It's always going to come down to how does it actually react once it gets out there. I think that's exactly true. And to spin this one a little forward, I think we're going to see a couple more. There, there are a couple pump fakes out there right now that I think we will not see um, on any album track list. And in particular, I'm going to point right now to this week's number two song, Havana, Camila Cabello. There have been, you know, this is this is one of her, I think, three or four songs that come out before this song really caught on that I I don't think Crying in the Club 
which she put out in the, in the spring, got to number 47 on Hot 100. Um, she put out a song, I Have Questions, pretty soon after that, that, you know, I think a lot of people sort of have forgotten about. And when Havana came out, it was actually, a, there was a dual release that day, Havana with Young Thug right. and OMG with Quavo. Um, now, Camila's kind of said as much that Havana is sort of a, a new direction, a new sound, something that she's a little more tied to. I mean, I think Havana will be the, the start of something new for sure, whether all the songs have that kind of vibe. But nothing else, I think a little more a little more grown up, a little less, I mean, a little less down the middle pop, right. you know, maybe a little more influence of, of, of R&B and Latin and, and maybe even, I mean, Trap is obviously in right now. So that one I'll be interested to watch out for. And also um, in that same kind of pop vein, um, some of these Selena Gomez songs that have been out this year. Right. Be interested to see what happens with those. Um, you know, they've been been not the biggest hits in the world, both both within the top top 20 was Bad Liar, Fetish peaking at the top 30 on the Hot 100. So, I mean, still solid top 40 hits, but... I mean, to, to follow Revival, which had three top ten hits, I wonder, you know, I, I think there will be a reset on this right. project, too. I feel like they kind of get a little bit of a pass because they were kind of overshadowed by It Ain't Me, which became so huge. You don't think so? No. You think so? Yeah, I feel like those are almost bonus songs, whereas whereas uh, It Ain't Me was still going strong. She could kind of slip in a couple other extras, see if they connected. Uh, it's a, yeah, I mean I, I mean, I could see that. I mean... I feel like she's kind of playing with house money a little bit while she's riding so high with It Ain't Me. Kind of see if these other uh, slightly experimental. Obviously, Bad Liar was way out there. Fetish is uh, lyrically a little uh, adventurous. Yeah. Um, I mean, but it does feel like, you know, testing the waters. I mean, Revival came out in 2015. So coming up, um, you know, two years now, maybe two and a half, feels like you kind of warm up for the next album cycle. I'd be surprised if those songs were on the new album. It feels like it's, it's a reset. I do, too. And, I mean, I feel like especially something we've seen a lot recently. I mean, the first single has always been important, but it feels like especially now in the streaming world where attention can get so divided so quickly and you can be here and gone, I mean, you got to land with that hit to introduce that album. And related, although we're kind of going off on a different tangent, but but something we've, we've talked about uh, this year, two of the absolute record-breaking biggest hits still aren't even on albums. Despacito, not on an album. Sam Hunt, Body Like a Backroad, not on an album. So really, to, the, the rules are all just being rewritten about the importance of albums in, in the streaming world at this point. So yeah. we'll see. Okay, that was really long. <laughs> oh, you think this week's was long? Uh, so next time, uh, we're going to be back here on the Chart Podcast. Uh, it's actually not going to post next Thursday like it usually does because next Thursday is Thanksgiving. Uh, but the week after, uh, on Tuesday, will be uh, November 28th. If we go back 25 years to November 28th, 1992, a certain classic song went to number one that week. So we figured it's time for another flashback retro Hot 100 countdown. So we're going to flashback to the top 40 hits on the Hot 100 November 28th, 1992, a favorite of yours, Trevor. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a, a one of the biggest songs ever recorded, really. Uh, Madonna, TLC, Boys to Men, maybe Whitney Houston is on that content. <laughs> Gary and his teases. Gary, what's your favorite pump fake song we should close with? Is it uh, Pretty Girls by Britney Spears? Iggy Azalea, that song never ended up on it. Britney Spears did not pick that one up for her for her album in 2016. Iggy still has yet to put out another album, so maybe maybe it will find a home. But I mean, hey, was, you've created this pump pick thing. You, you've got to own it. You've got to take it all the way. You've got to pick one. Um, all right. Well, you know, uh, we talked a lot about Rihanna having some pump fakes in her career. We'll talk about another one that involves her, and that's going to be Calvin Harris. This is what you came for, which I think a lot of people thought would be. 
it never was on an album. Smash hit for the summer, um, only last year or so. So taking us back to Taylor, who co-wrote. Baby, this is what you came for. Lightning strikes every time she moves. And everybody's watching her, but she's looking at you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.